all my fellow food eaters out there in Podland. With great anticipation, you've intentionally or accidentally tuned into my podcast channel, Food Labels Revealed. I'm your host, Mel Weinstein, the self-effacing, self-professed prophet of processed foods. I can't believe that this is episode number 67. The shows just keep piling up. If you're new to the podcast, you certainly have a bunch of episodes to catch up on. Today's show is entitled, The End of Cancer and Diabetes? Dwarfism, Disease, and Diet. As most of you know, my usual shtick is to talk about processed foods, and I intended for today's show to dissect and evaluate, from an ultra-processed perspective, a particularly alarming dish from a major fast food chain. But that's going to have to wait until next month because I was listening to a podcast where a well-known lady breast cancer surgeon by the name of Christy Funk was talking about an odd and rare disorder. Yes, I have a range of interests, and before you start giggling about my listening selection, here's a surprising fact from the American Cancer Society. About 1 in 833 men will get breast cancer, and in 2021, there will be an estimated 2,350 cases, and about one-fifth of those men will die from the disease. For a long time, I've had an interest in the causes of cancer since it has affected several of my family members. The last book that I read on the subject was Dr. Funk's Breast the Owner's Manual, which I highly recommend to everyone, female or male. Now, to the topic at hand. Dr. Funk was talking about Lerone Syndrome, and what she had to say about it piqued my interest, so I decided to do a little research on the subject to learn more. Although today's show will be a big departure from the usual subject matter of this podcast, I hope you will find it interesting and thought-provoking. And don't worry, I'll still bring it back to food by the end of the show, so hang in there. There is indeed a method to my madness. Let's go back in time. But first, a disclaimer. The science discussed here is outside my scope of training and experience. It deals with genetics and molecular biology, subjects which can be extremely complicated. But I will try to distill the science down without maiming it too badly. You don't have to know the gritty, complex biological details to appreciate the results and implications of the scientific studies to be discussed. It's 1958, and Dr. Svi Larone, having completed postgraduate training in pediatric endocrinology in the United States, returned to his home country of Israel to establish a pediatric endocrine clinic in Tel Aviv. That decision determined the rest of his career because it was in Tel Aviv that he encountered a group of very small people with a peculiar type of dwarfism. The first children he examined were from the same Jewish family of Yemenite origin. Note, the grandparents of the parents were first cousins. The children were three and a half, one and a half, and a newborn, two males and a female. Interestingly, these kids had five older siblings who had normal stature. Within two years, the clinic encountered about 20 other people with the same type of dwarfism, 
all of Jewish Oriental descent, also called Sephardic Jews, who lived in Spain and Portugal during the early years of the Common Era. Dr. Larone and his colleagues launched a study to investigate the cause of the dwarfism, which was later named Larone Syndrome. Eventually, the study group grew to 60 individuals from around the world. It took 20 years for the researchers to figure out what caused the syndrome. According to Dr. Larone, there were only two possibilities, both related to the important human growth hormone, a biochemical which is absolutely necessary to promote normal body growth. Either the hormone in the dwarfs was chemically altered, or the receptors and cells that took up the hormone were ineffective. In general, dwarfism is characterized by either a medical or genetic condition resulting in an adult height of 4 feet 10 inches or less. The average adult height for male and female dwarfs together is 4 feet. Human growth hormone is essential for normal growth in childhood. This hormone is produced by the pituitary gland and dwarfism can result from either an underproduction of the hormone or a problem with the uptake of the hormone by cells. In the case of Larone syndrome, the Israeli group discovered that their study participants had plenty of human growth hormone circulating in their systems but unfortunately, it was not getting absorbed by liver cells. That's a critical problem since the human growth hormone stimulates the release of another important hormone in the liver called insulin-like growth factor 1, or IGF-1 for short. When the liver releases IGF-1, it promotes growth in every cell of the body, particularly in skeletal muscle, cartilage, bone, major organs, nerves, skin, and lung tissue. The name, insulin-like growth factor, comes from the fact that IGF-1 has a similar molecular structure to the hormone insulin with some similar biochemical effects, but it has its own unique roles in the body. So, People with Larone syndrome are producing insufficient amounts of IGF-1, and hence their growth gets stunted. Typically, we humans produce IGF-1 throughout our life, but the largest production occurs during puberty, when major growth spurts occur. The lowest levels appear in infancy and old age. The amount of IGF-1 in the bloodstream at any given time is reliant upon a number of factors, including insulin levels, genetics, age, gender, exercise amount, stress, nutrition, illness, ethnicity, estrogen levels, protein consumption, and alien substances or contaminants in the body. Why don't Larone dwarfs produce enough IGF-1? In a nutshell, blame it on inheritance a gene mutation. The gene responsible for creating the receptor sites on liver cells that take up human growth hormone are defective. They don't work. And so the liver cells don't get triggered to produce and release IGF-1. Without sufficient levels of that hormone in the bloodstream, body parts don't grow normally. 
The normal statured parents of a Lerone dwarf usually have a gene mutation and therefore they're carriers of the disorder, but they usually don't show signs or symptoms of the condition. However, when two carriers have children, each child has a 25% chance of getting the condition, a 50% chance of becoming a carrier, and a 25% chance of being normal and not a carrier. That's why multiple children in a family may have normal height or wind up as dwarfs. Simply a roll of the dice. When was Lerone syndrome first encountered? Again, let's go back into history. The Spanish Inquisition started late in the 15th century. Heretics, people accused of not being faithful to the Catholic Church and its teachings, were tried by a religious court. Many of those people were tortured and subsequently put to death. Hundreds of years before the Inquisition, Middle Eastern Semitic Jews, called Sephardi Jews, migrated to the Iberian Peninsula, which includes Spain and Portugal. As they integrated into Spanish society, the Sephardi Jews became successful citizens and took on leadership positions in the government and military. However, growing anti-Semitism and discrimination against the Jews in Spain forced many of them to convert to Catholicism. They were given the name conversos. When the Inquisition began, the conversos were some of the first victims, being vilified by both the Catholics, who didn't trust their conversion, and the Jewish population, who resented them for giving up their faith. Unfortunately for the Jews, in 1483, Queen Isabella named the Dominican priest Thomas de Corcomata as the Grand Inquisitor, the ultimate prosecutor of heretics. Being a fanatic Jew hater, he set out to rid the country of its Jewish population. When the Americas were discovered in 1492, some historians believe that a portion of the Spanish Jews, including the conversos, fled to Ecuador in South America. Maybe there was only a single person who carried the gene mutation and passed it along to future generations. Later, inbreeding could have increased the prevalence of the mutated gene in isolated communities. Eventually, two parents, each with the recessive gene mutation, mated to produce a Lerone dwarf. The Lerone syndrome is very rare. There are only 300 to 400 people in the world with this disorder. But surprisingly, about a third of the Lerone dwarfs live in a rather small geographic area, the Loja and Iloro provinces in southern Ecuador. In 1988, an Ecuadorian doctor by the name of Jaime Guevara Aguirre began studying the Lerone dwarfs. He has provided medical care for these people for several decades in an attempt to understand their condition. He regularly visits them at home to take samples of body fluids for clinical testing. These people are characterized by the following symptoms. Normal body proportions in childhood, but childlike proportions in adulthood. Reduced muscle strength and endurance, delayed puberty, small genitals, thin hair, short limbs, 
distinctive facial features, including protruding forehead and blue sclerae, that's a blue coloration of the whites of the eyes, and most are obese. If you're curious, take a look at the episode photo to see two Ecuadorian women who have Lerone syndrome. Okay, let's pause a moment. What's all this genetic stuff got to do with disease, which is the second topic of the podcast? Here's where it gets interesting. Dr. Guevara Aguirre, in observing the Larones over 20 years, noticed that only one of his patients died from cancer, and nobody died from diabetes, even though most were overweight or obese. Their normal relatives had a 17% mortality from cancer and a 5% mortality from diabetes. Despite their extra body fat, the Larones did not experience insulin resistance. The lack of IGF-1 in their bodies protects them from developing type 2 diabetes. Theoretically, that's because IGF-1 can interfere with the take-up of insulin in muscle cells. If IGF-1 isn't present, insulin sensitivity increases and consequently glucose would not build up in the blood, leading to the condition of diabetes. For cancers, IGF-1 is implicated since not only does it induce growth of normal cells, but it also strongly affects the replication of cancer cells. Apparently, tumors don't grow well without it. Oddly enough, the Lerone dwarfs have about the same longevity as their non-Lerone relatives, despite not succumbing to cancer or diabetes. Sadly, they have higher rates of death from accidents, alcoholism, and suicide, so their longevity relative to other people in their communities is about the same. Well, that's an interesting story about an unfortunate role of genetic dice, but how does that information affect the rest of us? We certainly can't induce the growth hormone receptor mutation in our cells and become bulletproof to cancer and diabetes. Here's part two of the story. At the same time that Quivara Aguirre was studying the Larone dwarfs of Ecuador, there were scientific studies being performed on laboratory mice to determine what happens to them if their growth hormone receptors were turned off. Professor John Kopchik of Ohio University, a biotechnologist, found that mice, when their growth hormone receptors were genetically modified, lived 40% longer than normal, and, and they were free of major diseases. And to no surprise, those mice were smaller than average and also heavier. Dr. Kopchik actually won the Methuselah Prize sponsored by the journal Nature for raising the oldest mouse on record. It reached almost five years of age. In 2016, his research group published new findings in the journal Endocrinology that showed the same genetic modification was also effective in older mice up to six weeks, particularly in females. The key questions for Dr. Kopchik and his investigators were whether this biotechnology method actually works in humans, 
And how old can a person be to respond positively to growth hormone disruption? Ultimately, could older people be protected from deadly diseases? Well, that's interesting information as well, but drug therapy to prevent cancer and diabetes, if it indeed works in humans, is years away from being available at your local pharmacy. So that brings us to part three of the story, diet. Dr. Valto Longo is an Italian-American professor of biogerontology, a branch of biology dealing with biological processes that can influence aging. He is the director of the University of Southern California Longevity Institute. Dr. Longo is particularly interested in health span as it relates to longevity, living longer but living healthier. It has been known for a long time that controlled fasting can be beneficial to health and also increase lifespan. A clinical observation of long-term fasting is that IGF-1 levels decrease. Will decreasing IGF-1 levels by dietary changes increase human health span? Dr. Longo is trying to answer that question by developing a more user-friendly fasting plan. Knowing that most people will not endure a long fast, say three to four weeks, and knowing that calorie restriction studies in the past have shown improvements in longevity, Dr. Longo has designed a fast track involving intermittent fasting. The plan involves five-day limited fasts that are repeated three to four times each year. This process is called the Fasting Mimicking Diet, or FMD. It is a low-calorie diet with specific ratios of macronutrients. On day one, a person consumes 1,100 calories. 11% from protein, 46% from fat, and 43% from carbs. On days two through five, a person consumes just 725 calories, 9% from protein, 44% from fat, and 47% from carbs. In addition, at least 70 ounces of water are consumed daily. Dr. Longo reports that on this diet, IGF-1 levels drop significantly. To optimize the effects of the fasting periods, Dr. Longo recommends a low-protein diet, mostly plant-based, during the in-between times. Why should this diet work? High animal-based protein diets, particularly dairy protein, keep IGF-1 levels high in the body. By reducing the IGF-1 levels, there should be a protective effect against cancers and diabetes. Why is dairy protein of particular concern? Simply put, it is a great promoter of cellular growth. Prior to World War II, Asian populations, such as in Japan and China, were not major consumers of dairy products. After the war, due to the influence of Western nations like Great Britain and the United States, dairy products were imported into Asian countries and native dairy industries took root. As a result, the average heights for both Asian men and women have increased significantly in the last 60 years. For example, an 18-year-old Korean man in 1940 had an average height of about 65 inches. But by 2010, 
the height changed to almost 69 inches, a 6% jump. So, getting to the end of the story, it seems that controlling for IGF-1, either pharmaceutically or through diet, may offer protection against deadly diseases, particularly if coupled with a lifestyle that emphasizes healthy food and minimizes ultra-processed foods. But hold on a second. The real picture is much murkier. This concept is actually very controversial in the scientific world. Here's why. Yes, the lack of IGF-1 in adults does inhibit or prohibit cells from growing in cancerous tumors, but the presence of IGF-1 also promotes growth when and where we need it. For example, when old cells die and need replaced, or when exercise breaks down muscle tissue and it needs replenished, as in bodybuilding, or when organs get damaged due to accidents or old age, or when the brain begins to lose function due to senility. Health experts know that our bodies lose the ability to manufacture IGF-1 as we age. So purposely minimizing dietary sources may turn out to be counterproductive. Finally, from epidemiological studies, it appears that reducing the level IGF-1 is only demonstrably beneficial for breast and prostate cancers, not all the other cancers that can kill us. Unfortunately, as we're constantly reminded in the medical world, there are no magic bullets for human disease and disorders. Well, what are the take-home messages for this episode? First, if you're a dwarf with Lerone syndrome, you are very protected from some serious diseases and could live a very long time if you put safety first, maintain positive mental health, and avoid bad habits like alcohol drinking and smoking. Second, if you're not a dwarf with Lerone syndrome, you may be able to increase your healthy longevity with calorie restriction accompanied by intermittent fasting, but the verdict is still out for that practice. Third, biologists are actively working on gene therapy drugs that could ward off serious diseases and improve health span. But as we know, drugs have side effects, sometimes serious ones, and it remains to be seen whether those effects are worse than the cure. Finally, remember Svi Larone, the discoverer of Larone syndrome? He's still kicking at the age of 94 and continues to work on cures for genetic disorders. Hey food eaters, that's it for today's show. I hope you found it interesting. For next month's show, I'll be getting back to evaluating a hazardous-to-your-health fast food restaurant item. To all the listeners and podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a 5-star rating at the iTunes Store. You can find all of the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by googling Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast using your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. If you think your family, friends, coworkers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. 
Till later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music is a clip from Dark Science composed by David Heilowitz. Thank you.